Deuteronomy chapter number 6, if you will. Carissa, thank you for that special, and not to embarrass her, but uh, she wrote that song a few years ago, and uh, it was a blessing then, it's a blessing now, and it's always a wonderful thing when you hear your children make it their own, and the things that you've instilled within them, they've chosen to take that and run with it. And thank you for those wonderful songs. Thank you for the life behind the song. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. I want to read a few verses from this passage and help us with a message here this morning that I, I know that the Lord's laid on my heart for this hour. I'm conscious of the time. We're actually doing very well on time. And so uh, would you please stand with me Uh, for the reading of the Word of God, if you're able to. If you're not able to, of course, please remain seated. But I'm going to read the first few verses of chapter number 6 of the book of Deuteronomy. And would you please join with me in your Bible as we read this together. I'll read it out loud. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son and all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that, thou, that uh, floweth with milk and honey. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Verse 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. I'm going to stop there for sake of time. Would you join me in a word of prayer as we go to the Lord and ask His blessing on the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the opportunity that we have to assemble. And Lord, we're grateful for each and every part of what's happened in this service. The wonderful singing of Your people. The powerful singing of Your men. and Lord, how encouraging that is in this day and age. Lord, as we draw our attention and our focus and our minds to your word, would you please help us during these few minutes to give our full attention to what you have for us. And Lord, you know it's, my, it's been my desire from the beginning to simply be a blessing and a help to each one here today. I pray that you would allow that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Appreciate that. It was a wonderful day in my life. When I became a dad, Kristen and I had been on staff here for a little over a year 
when our first child, Derek, was born. I mentioned this in the 830 service, and I'll mention it again just for the sake of Kristen and I and our excitement about this. But last Sunday, 27 years ago, was when we came to Grandview Baptist Church and came on staff. And the Lord just allowed us to be able to plant some roots here and raise a family in this wonderful environment. And we just praise the Lord for that. How, it's, it's just priceless. But anyway, uh, it was a wonderful day in my life when I became a dad. We finally came to the point where we were confident that it was time to start having a family. I was sharing this in another setting, and someone said, Well, how were you so confident that it was time for you to start having children? I said, well, after Kristen realized she was expecting, we were confident (laughs) that it was time to start having children. Ever been there? Anyway. I'll not forget holding our children and thinking, what a great responsibility I have now. You know, in Psalm 127.3, the Bible says, Children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. I can't help to think that when I was holding those children, I was was literally holding the reward from God to us in my arms. And as you dads well remember, whether you had one child or more than one, that overwhelming feeling that came when you held that child. It's like, wow, I have a great responsibility I have a responsibility to nurture and train this child. I knew it would involve great financial expense in raising this child. I I remember when all of our children were finally out of diapers. It was like getting a pay raise. I'm serious. Cameron, I'm telling you, it's going to be like getting a pay raise, man. Some of our staff guys are entering, entering into this era of children soon to come. And, but it's a financial expense. I knew huge amounts of time would be needed to invest in a child's life. I didn't want to just father a child. I wanted to be a father to the child. I knew that great sacrifices would have to be made during this child's upbringing. I knew I'd have to go without so they could have. I knew I'd probably have to give up something in order to meet the needs of that child. But you know what? I was okay with that. Because... In my arms was the reward that the Bible calls a reward from the Lord. And I had the opportunity to raise and help raise uh, this child and help uh, direct them through life. In my arms was the child who God trusted with me. And it represented a soul that will live forever. Had the opportunity to mold and make their future. Well, these rewards kept coming. The Bible says something along the lines of, Blessed is he whose quiver is full. I don't know what that word quiver means, but I do know in our minivan we ran out of seatbelts. So I figured that meant our quiver was full. We spent the first few years, now you'll remember this, all of you parents will remember this, we spent the first few, few years teaching them to walk and talk. Do you remember that? Wasn't it a precious time? Until they started doing it. 
And then you were telling them to sit down and shut up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not shut up. We couldn't say that in our house. Uh, be quiet, please. No. And I do know this. I don't know if my wife's recollection is the same as mine. Uh, but I do know that the first words of all four of our children was dada. Uh, and so I don't know if that lines up. But uh, we don't have time for her to give an answer. So anyway. <laughs> You know, it seems like yesterday they were just running around the foyer having fun. I remember before our children were born and we watched other people's children run around the foyer. Oh, I wrote a series of books on child rearing. That was before our children. Then our children came and I thought, you know, it ain't so bad. Excuse me. It's not so bad for them to run around the foyer. Let them get out some of that energy, right? Isn't it amazing how perspective changes when you're actually put in the position of the, the real position? I realized as a father that I was responsible for my children. I had to watch over them, make sure I knew that where they were at all times. Did you hear about the father who left his children in the church house after the Sunday evening service? Did you hear about that? Terrible guy. Horrible man. Well, I'll tell you the story real quick. The, the husband and wife needed to drive separately uh, that evening. They were having an argument. No, that's not the truth. Uh, they needed to drive separately that evening. And, and so uh, she drove in. He drove in. There was some initial responsibilities before the evening service to take care of. And so church happened and church was over and we mingled. And I mean, they mingled and they spent a lot of time uh, socializing. Well, the lady left and she went on to the house thinking that the children would go with the dad. And then I left. I mean, the dad left. And this is not going very well for me, is it? And then I left thinking, well, surely she took the children home, you know. I got a phone call on the way home saying, your children are in the foyer, it's dark, and they're longingly looking out the glass doors as if, is anyone coming to rescue us? That's not really what the guy said, but I kind of juiced it up a little bit. The bottom line is I left them here. Can you believe that? Now, Hannah did that in the Old Testament, and everyone praised her. You know. I get ridiculed for it. Our text passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 reminds us of the importance of teaching children. And it reminds us, you know what? When you're walking around together, when you're starting your day, when you're ending your day, when you're around the house, teach the statutes and the commandments of the Lord to your children. It's in this passage that we read. You know... And I'm sure they had, uh, uh, we're told here, you know, different things to help them remember passages and remember the statutes and remember the commandments. One of the things that my wife started doing early in our child rearing and just in our home in general was she would kind of take note of that. And she enjoyed putting uh, Bible verses or phrases or biblical uh, phrases in, in our home as decoration. You ladies know what we're talking about. And, and I enjoyed that because, you know, you could walk down the hall and you'd read a sign that says, Praise the Lord for He is good. And you're thinking, yeah, I ought to do that. Thank you for reminding me. 
And in everything, give thanks. And you, Boy, that's true. I need to do that. Boy, that's a powerful... I like that on the wall right there. And other statements that were just biblical truths, maybe a whole verse, maybe a part of a verse, maybe just a biblical statement that was based on a verse. But I enjoyed that. Until I was uh, sitting in my very comfortable recliner one day, taking a break. You guys ever take a break? You, you do, I hope, right? All right. And my wife started nailing up a Bible verse by the recliner. Proverbs 6, 9. You know what that says? You want me to read it to you? <laughs> How long will thou sleep, old sluggard? <laughs> when wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Thanks a lot. Well, the Bible does tell us that we are supposed to be able to give an answer. You know, when someone asks us a question, to have a Bible knowledge of the degree where we can at least be able to be ready and give an answer. And so I thought it rude of me not to answer her. So I posted up another Bible verse to answer her, and it was Psalm 4.8. And it says this, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, O Lord. Sounds pretty good, right? That was my reasoning for being there. By the way, man, if you need a copy of that for your recliner where you sit, let me know. I'll make you a copy of that. Dad, uh, Kristen and I have been blessed with great dads, godly men who love the Lord and pointed us to Jesus. Psalm 16.6 6 says, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Both of our fathers are men who pointed us to the Savior and when we were young and still do even today, and I'm grateful for that. But I want to say here this morning, and I'm, I'm going, I must address this, and I believe it's very important. I know that in a crowd this size, you may not have great memories of your dad. You might not have any memories of your dad. And I hurt for you because of that. I want to say a couple of things on that note. Even if I didn't have the dad that I wish I had, have had, even though I didn't have a dad that I would love to have had, I can still be that dad to some other children that I raise. This morning, I want to remind you that though that may be the case in your life, or maybe you had a wonderful dad, as I did, as Kristen did, as some of, some of the others of you did, regardless... You have a Heavenly Father who loves you more than you will ever know. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never, I'll live, I'll, I'll never leave you at church after the service on Sunday night. I mean, I, there, I, strike one for me, right? When you need help, I'm always there. It'll never be a busy sign when you pick up the phone, so to speak, to give me a call. I'm always there. I'm always aware of your problems. I always have an answer. Though you may not see it right away, it's coming. Folks, we have a heavenly Father today who loves us more than we could ever know or deserve. And I want to say to all of us this morning, look, whether you had an awesome dad or whether you really don't even want to think about it, you have an incredible Heavenly Father who loves you and provides for you. And this morning, I want to share with you four things that we see from 
our Heavenly Father that is provided to us as His children, as Christians. And to be reminded of that, first of all. But then also, men, fathers, if you will allow me in these next few minutes, to challenge us to take these same qualities and apply them to our children today. Now, I realize, again, in this crowd, we have folks who you've raised your children a long time ago. Some of you are still doing it. Some of you are about to do it. I understand all that. But wherever this fits in your life, maybe it's grandchildren on the way. Kristen and I have a grandchild. Can you believe that? I'm such a young man that I have a grandchild on the way. But hey, I'm so, I'm so super excited about it, I can't stand it. Whatever the case is, we have another generation that we must point to Jesus. If it's our own children, if it's our grandchildren, if it's somebody else's children. Whatever it is. But you know what? We have some qualities from our Heavenly Father that we can take and we can share them with those of the next generation. And so this morning, I want to share with you four things that God offers to us as our Heavenly Father. This in no way is an exhaustive list because He's the great I Am. But for sake of time and, and all that, I want to share with you four. First of all, God offers authoritative unity. Now, if you have your sermon outline there, you go ahead and fill in that blank. God offers authoritative unity. 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. God says there's three of us, but we unify as one. Jesus in John ten thirty says, I and my Father are one. Again, Jesus describes his oneness or His unity with God the Father. Our Heavenly Father shows unity with the Son and with the Holy Spirit, and He says, we are one. And we're thankful for that today, generally as Christians. We're thankful for our Heavenly Father. We're thankful for the Savior who died on the cross, shed His blood, rose again. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit, who's our guide in and out of every day. We're also thankful that they show unity. The Father's never going to oppose the Son or the Holy Spirit. The Father, one, you, you're never going to go to God and say, Lord, I really need some direction here and some wisdom. Would you please show me what to do in this case? And God says, well, I'll tell you what to do, but that Holy Spirit ain't going to agree with me. He's not going to agree with me. I'm trying to not say ain't. He's not going to agree with me. That's never going to happen. Why? Because they're one. And I want to share with this, men, we're, thankful, we're all thankful for that. But men in our households, how do we apply that to our lives? We show unity with the other authority that our children have, their mother. One of the best ways that we can exemplify Christ in our home is to let our children see us in unity with our wife, their mother. That's one of the greatest things. They need to see and experience two authorities in their life who unify as one. Did you ever try to play mom against dad? You ever go ask one parent and they say no and the other parent says, oh, oh, sure, you can do that. Okay. You know, I always got caught doing that. I'd go to one parent and say, uh, do you mind if I go over here and whatever, whatever? Um, yeah, but you need to ask your dad also and make sure he's for it. Shoot. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? You mean you're in unity? 
Yeah. You know, God offers that to us and we're thankful. And as we as men, as fathers, we offer that to our children. Mark 10, 6 through 9 says, But from the beginning of creation, this is a great verse, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife. They twain shall be, what? One flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What God, excuse me, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. When our children see us in unity, they're seeing a picture of Christ loving the church. You say, where do you get that from? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. As a dad, I realized early on that I was helping raise and train three future husbands and one future wife. And they watched my actions. They observed my attitudes. They witnessed my ambitions. And I was hoping, you know, I'm hoping that I was a halfway decent example to them. But I have to admit, I wasn't always successful. There were times in life where my response might not have been the same as my wife's response in a situation. And I'm telling you what, children pick, on that, pick, that on, pick up on that really quick. Uh, years ago, I was taking Derek uh, on a ride. And we were I believe it was down Leland, the other side of Leland Road. I've told this story in other settings before, but... Uh, he was in his car seat. He was just a young, young man, young, young boy. And um, this guy pulls out in front of me. Now, how many of you love it when someone pulls out in front of you? Isn't it just a wonderful feeling? It's just a great thing. Like, just pull right out in front of you. Now, I don't mind if they pull out in front of me if they get on down the road. Because that's my path. I pay taxes on this road and get out of my house. But this fella didn't. And so I felt this, tend, uh, this, this urge, this tendency to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, yeah, right, and apply pressure on the middle of my steering wheel, of which a loud noise comes through and lets all the world know that I disagreed with what just happened. And so I just laid on the horn, man, that guy. How many of you, if your wife wasn't here, you would admit that you've done the same thing before in life? Thank you very much. I see those hands. Let's just have the invitation now. And I, I just laid, and I'm the man, that dirty rat, what's he doing? Derek speaks up from the back. Daddy, why did you beat the horn? Well, that guy pulled out in front of me. And he wouldn't even take, I mean, he just, he just I had to hit the brakes. My goodness, these crazy drivers these days. Well, time went on, and Derek was in the car with Kristen one day. Don't get ahead of me. And... Lo and behold, the same thing happened to her. Not the same person, I hope, but anyway. Someone pulled out in front of her. And she just slowed down and blended in with the flow of traffic. Derek's kind of set up in his car seat. He said, Mom, why didn't you beep your horn at that person? Can you sense I'm already getting in trouble? Okay. The unity is not working at this moment. And she said... Wherefore dost thou ask such a question? <laughs> why, why would I do that, son? I just slowed down, you know. They, maybe they were having a bad day, you know. Uh-huh. 
Why would I do that, son? Well, that's what my daddy does. That's what my daddy does. You say, how did you find out about the story? I'll let you guess how I found out about the story. Oh, boy, we can get ourselves in trouble, can't we? Aren't we glad this morning that God offers authoritative unity? Aren't we thankful for the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And in our homes, we take that, man, fathers. We take that and we say, you know what? God is teaching me. He's not just providing something for me through this unity. He's teaching me the importance of being in unity in the home as well. Next, God offers first love. I love this one, 1 John four nineteen. We love Him because He first loved us. As our Heavenly Father, God initiates love to His children first. Aren't you thankful for that? He initiates love to us first. The songwriters said it so well in some of their phrasing. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. He reached down His hand for me. He brought me out of the miry clay. From sinking sand, He lifted me. Romans 5.8 says, But God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All throughout Scripture and even in our lives today, we see a God who first loves. He initiates it. And it's while we're sinners. We don't deserve it. We're so thankful that we have a a Heavenly Father who first loves His children. You see, God takes a personal interest in us, His children. Compared to other leaders, I'll say, of other false religions, He's really the only one that takes a personal interest in His followers or His children. And I want to ask you something, fathers, very kindly, but this being Father's Day and a challenge to all of us to continue to work towards being that example... Do we take personal interest in our children? Or are we more interested in our own hobbies and our own, our own goals in life? Nothing wrong with hobbies and goals. Nothing wrong with that at all. But do we take a personal interest? Are we sharing that same attribute of first love from our Heavenly Father to our own children? We ask ourselves, are we too busy in our own things that we are not taking a personal interest in our children? We need to be dads who first love our sons and our daughters. We need to be dads who spend time with their sons and their daughters. We need to be dads who initiate that, that, uh, that, that love and that attention. Children are starving by the thousands for a dad who will spend time with them. Our Heavenly Father sets that example to us. And He doesn't just set the example to us so that we can glean from Him in His first love. His first loving us. Yes, we receive that. But then we learn from that as fathers on earth and we apply that to our children. And we initiate that love. We take a personal interest in our children. Our Heavenly Father does that, and we're so so very thankful. Number three, God offers guidance with patience. Are you thankful this morning that you have a patient Heavenly Father? I am. John 16, 13 says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things 
to come all throughout Scripture, God is giving direction and guidance to people that we read about. In the Old Testament, we learn of people, for one such as Moses, God gives guidance and direction. And he patiently does that because Moses did not obey right away. He gave excuse after excuse after excuse and said, I can't, they won't listen. All this kind of... God gave guidance in a very patient way. We see that illustrated with King Saul, even for the short period of time that he was a, half, he was a decent king. Where was he when God was trying to call him as king and let the people know? Hiding behind the stuff. He was hiding from God. But God patiently guided and directed his steps. We think of, um, I think of Peter in the New Testament and how God was, or Jesus in that case, was very patient with Peter. Peter denied the Savior. Peter, Peter was that kind of guy, at least in the early days, where he would just kind of talk off the top of his head. He wouldn't really think it through. And then he'd have to go back and, you know, uh, get right with the Lord, if you will. And, and, but, but Jesus was so patient with him. We need fathers today who guide patiently. You know, have you ever been in a position where I can just do it quicker myself than teach you how to do it? You ever remember that? You remember when the children wanted to help? Daddy, can I help? Oh man, i got to hurry up and get this done. Let me just get it done now and, and I'll teach you another time. Then they get older and you get aggravated at them because they don't want to help. When if I had taken the time to teach them when they wanted to help, they might still be helping. It's an amazing thing how that works. But it takes time. It takes patience. It takes guidance. Proverbs 30, 11 to 14, There is a generation that curseth their father, doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords. Their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. You know, our next generation is going without guidance and direction in much part because some dads are just too busy or too caught up in their own world to guide patiently their children. That's a sad fact. When we're talking about guiding, we're talking about leading. By the way, you lead, we lead by example. When we're told in the scriptures, be holy for I am holy. The, the teaching there is God is already holy and he is teaching us to be like him and be holy. A leader doesn't push from the back. He guides from the front. He says, do as I do. You lead in a variety of ways to help our children grow spiritually in many other ways. Ephesians 6, 4 says, and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, that provoke not your children to wrath means to not behave in such a way that it causes intense frustration in your child's life. You know what the greatest intense frustration in a child's life is? Is when their dad says one thing and does another. As men, we take it as a responsibility to guide and lead our children, and it does take patience. We have an incredible opportunity to nurture, to train, to point them to Jesus, teach them how to give from their allowance back to the Lord. 
We have an incredible opportunity to do that. And I feel like I'm even, as you've heard the phrase, preaching to the choir, because I feel like the men in this room, the fathers in this room, that's what we're doing. But we've got to keep it up. Because there is a generation that's not doing so well. And many times in our life, it's not our own children that we're working to influence. It's the children of other people. Maybe we don't have a dad. Or maybe they have one, but he's not in their world. He just fathered them, but he's not a father to them. How many of you agree that we can, uh, as I said earlier, we can usually do something quicker on our own than teach the child to do it? But when we teach them, we have trained them for their future, and it takes patience. Last but not least, this, uh, this morning I want to share with you, God offers rewards and praise. A few verses I'll leave with you here in closing on this point. 2 Corinthians 3.14 If any man work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God blesses and rewards his children. This is a part of building a relationship. One thing I learned early in our child-rearing days, and, and I believe it's because as the dad... And, and we don't mean this in a mean or unkind way, but we see ourselves sometimes as the disciplinarian. Sit down. Stop. Quit. And I won't, I'm going give to give us the benefit of the doubt. Our heart is right. We want to raise children in a right way. And so we, we do that. I was taught early in our child-rearing days that for every time I had to point out discipline to one of our children, let there be at least three or more times where I praised them for something they did well. Because I wanted to have a relationship with them. I didn't want to be just the guy that was always telling them what to do. Yeah, there's time for discipline. But you know what? There's also time for reward and praise. Aren't you thankful you have a Heavenly Father who rewards and praises you? Aren't you thankful that you have that? Hey, the, the uh, master said to his productive servant, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Son, you did a great job. I'm very pleased with it. Sweetheart, daughter... That was a wonderful. I'm so proud of what you did. You made your dad happy. Hey, you know what? That goes a long ways. Our fathers, as fathers, we need to take notice of those things and speak positively. Build them up. Edify. That is a spiritual word. It's in the Bible. Edify. Build them up. Lift them up. Hey, you know what? There's enough of this in our world today. There's enough tearing down. There's enough of you're stupid, you're dumb, you're an idiot. Get out of my life. There's enough of that. As dads, we need to be the one. Yes, we, we have correction. We have discipline. We do it in a loving way. But we also have praise and reward. Why? Because we receive it from our Heavenly Father. Wouldn't it, uh, wouldn't it uh, make sense for us as Christian fathers to then pass that on to our own children? I remember I played soccer growing up for several seasons. My parents would always come to my games. And there was something... It was just like putting in a fresh battery pack, if you will, in my body when I'd hear my dad say something along the lines of, Good job! Way to kick that ball, you know. Even if I kicked it the wrong direction, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Way to go! You can do it! I wonder if we've lost that in our fatherhood, generally speaking, today. 
We want to fix things so much that if we're not careful, we're not building up. We're not praising. Good job. You did a great job. You know, and sometimes it's, you know, you did a really good job. Let me help you with a couple other things to make it better. Instead of, why'd you do such a rotten job? That's terrible. That's not what I taught you to do. As dads, we have the opportunity to build up. Our Heavenly Father offers us so much. And one of those rewards, I call it a reward, but we don't deserve it, is a wonderful place in heaven. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins that were sending us to hell. And He said, I want to save you from that. So He provided through His graciousness and love, not because I deserve it, but that reward, if you will, or however you want to word it, that gift of God, we learn, uh, and He provides that to us. Aren't you thankful for that day that you received that gift of salvation from your Heavenly Father? Aren't you so thankful that He first loved you, that He was thinking ahead, they're going to need a Savior. I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to be in heaven. I'm going to provide a way. I'm going to first love. So many characteristics and attributes of our Heavenly Father that we so love and appreciate that we as men need to interact in our own child rearing as we raise up this next generation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Are you here this morning and you do not know for sure that we're on our way to heaven? Well, you can know. Jesus paid it all. Through His death, burial, resurrection, we can know we're on our way to heaven. If you're here in the service this morning or you're watching online and you do not know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, I want to give you an opportunity to pray and ask Jesus into your heart this morning. We're just, we're just a few minutes from dismissing. But I want to give you that opportunity. I want you to pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know because of my sin, I deserve hell. But I trust in you, Jesus, and you only to take me to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. You know, folks, the Bible teaches us, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? Saved from hell, going to heaven. Why? Because I called on Jesus to be my Savior, to forgive me. I trusted in Him for heaven. What a wonderful thing. If you made that decision today, whether in this auditorium or watching online, we rejoice with you. Now, quickly, let me say this in closing. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, but dads, our time is now. Society is really kind of casting a cloud over men and their importance in the home. But you know what? We've got to rise up and say, look, I love Jesus. I'm going to point my children to him. I'm going to follow these characteristics that he's provided to me. And I'm going to do my very best to raise up some godly children who love Jesus and who make it their own. How many of you men would say by an uplifted hand, I'm going to continue to keep working towards that goal because I see the importance of what it takes to invest in the next generation. Would you join me as I lift my hand and choose to do that today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every one making a decision. Please bless in this time of invitation and may it be a time where we can communicate with you and share with you Uh, what you've possibly convicted us of or shared with us, whatever the case is. We ask it in Jesus' name. We're standing to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. The music's playing. We have an opportunity to come forward and make a decision for the Lord. We have assistant pastors here who are 
able to help us do that, well, to get baptized, join the church, need someone to pray with you, or if you just need to come forward and kneel and ask the Lord help, the Lord's help in your life. We find it beneficial and helpful as, as well, even as we're standing where we are, to spend some time with the Lord and say, God, help me to be that kind of dad. Help me. Help me to provide authoritative unity. Help me to first love, to guide with patience. Lord, help me to reward and praise. Whatever the case is, now's the time we make a decision for the Lord. Would you take a few moments and do so with me today? Thank you so much for being here this morning. Will you please be seated and join me as we watch a few video announcements and then we're dismissed. Good morning and happy Father's Day. Thank you for joining us today and we hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for a special sermon from our young adult pastor, Cameron Howell. Grandview Men's Summer Softball is back this summer and sign-ups are underway starting today. This is a tremendous opportunity to build a relationship with other men in the church as well as an opportunity for outreach. The cost will be $40 and will include a team jersey, hat, and several weeks of games. Stop by the welcome desk in the lobby to find more information and sign up today. Our men's advance will be June 23rd and 24th. Join us for preaching by Pastor Stuart Mason and Pastor Jason Murphy, as well as food, fellowship, and games. If you would like to attend this special event, the cost is $25, and your payment can be made online or at the welcome desk following the service. Mark your calendars for our other upcoming events this summer. Vacation Bible School will be held July 10th through the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is for children K-4 through 6th grade. If you would like to sign up and help at this event, there's a sign-up sheet available at the Welcome Desk. Kids Summer Blast will be held Wednesday nights throughout the summer, starting on June 14th. And this is for children 4 years through 5th grade. Children will be participating in various workshops throughout the summer. Also, don't miss our Young Adult Conference with Pastor Kurt Skelly on Friday and Saturday, August 11th and 12th. The cost is $25 and includes meals, fellowship, and preaching. Our Level Up Teaching and Training Modules will be held next Sunday night, June 25th, during the 5 p.m. service. Come and choose two modules from the lineup. Don't miss this special time of training with something for every Christian. We're excited about Team Camp this summer. Coming up July 31st through August 4th. The cost is $250 per camper, and it's for teens going into 7th grade uh, through this year's graduates. We have information booklets on the welcome desk, and if you have any questions, you can see myself or Derek Vestal, and we'd be happy to help you with that. If you know your teen is going, please sign up on the sign-up sheet that we'll have on the welcome desk, as well as in the teen room, and we're excited about teen camp. Start praying if you would, that God would do something great amongst the teens of our church. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. 
We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Thank you for being here. Dads are all men, actually. Make sure and get your treat on the way out there, the dad's root beer. Happy Father's Day. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.